keeping you a step ahead of the changing world of business. This is Voice America Business. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Catalyst with Terry Ostroviak. In the next hour, Terry and his guests discuss how to accelerate your business success and turn possibility into certainty. So turn up your speakers and hold on. Here's your host of the Quantum Leap Catalyst, Terry Ostroviak. Hi, everybody. This is Terry Ostroviak speaking to you from San Diego, Sunny Bay here. And we have an overseas guest with us from South Africa. His name is Peter Thomas. He's a gentleman that has been in business for over 30 years and during that period has built 10 successful businesses. His uh, business, actually, this particular one that he's in at the moment, is a business that's grown out of the experience of poor implementation of plans by companies. He says, management is still using industrial age policies to tell their staff what they want them to do. In an age of working with smart people, if we want to engage them, we need to tell them clearly where we're heading and then ask them how they think we can get there. He's, um, as I said a moment ago, worked in 10, or set up 10 successful businesses, not just 10 businesses, and has generally operated from uh, Johannesburg and Cape Town, and he's with us today. Let's welcome him. His name is Peter Thomas. Good morning, Peter. Hi, Terry. Nice to speak to you. Good to be speaking to you as well. So let's talk a little bit about this uh, subject today, which is called Connecting Our People to Our Corporate Plan, How to Implement the Strategy. That's the area that you focus your attention on, isn't it? That's correct, yep. All right. And just tell us a bit more about that. Why do you do that? Well, one of the, uh, one of the interesting things that we have found is that, in fact, I had an audiovisual business that uh, I started many years ago, and one of the things that we identified from that is that people need to be able to gather information effectively. Presenting is actually quite straightforward, but it's, it's making it relevant to the people you're talking to that was important. And so through facilitation, as a way of gathering information, we got into the business of helping companies put strategic plans together. And the sad you ran, part about You ran a business with uh, running meetings, basically, and facilitated yes. meetings. That's what you were doing, right? That's correct. It's, it, and, and it really revolved around saying, how do we tap the wisdom of a group? Because most groups are pretty knowledgeable about what should be happening in a business. And so we developed a process for doing that very efficiently. Saved about 50% of meeting time. But the more important thing was saying, how do we make sure that companies actually implement their strategies? And that was where we got the shock of our lives because we were helping build the strategies and we found that in probably 60 to 70% of the cases, they weren't actually implementing the strategies. What was going wrong? Well, there were a number of things. The, the one was that the communication was poor. So the CEO would stand up and say, this is what we need to do. This is where we're heading. This is how we've got to do it. And, of course, the leadership were interpreting it in one way. And then the business units were interpreting it in another way. And so what was happening is you got a lot of uh, confusion in the organization, and the CEO would become incredibly frustrated because he would say, I keep telling you what I expect you to do. Why are we not doing it? And in, they, they never, ever got around to saying to the organization, what do you think we should do to achieve this vision? They were simply telling. So that's the issue. And what they were telling obviously wasn't clear. Is that what you're saying? 
A, it wasn't clear. So the CEO would stand up and saying, I want you to innovate. I want you to innovate in what you're doing in your job. And you can imagine someone down in the organization saying, well, what does the CEO mean? What does he mean I've got to innovate? They tell me what I've got to do. What does he, what does he actually want me to do? And they never gave examples or any idea of what they actually wanted the people to do. Can you give us an example of one company that was in that dilemma without mentioning the name of the company? Well, um, I won't admit it was a large financial services company. The CEO said to me, I've, I've explained our vision probably six or seven times to the organization, and they have no – I just can't understand why they can't execute it. And eventually I said, well, I'll tell you what, why don't you present it to me and I'll present, pretend I'm someone on your staff. So what he did was he presented the, the message, which was, you know, death by PowerPoint presentation. And at the end of it, I said to him, I hear your message. But I said, if I was a part of your organization, I wouldn't have a clue what you actually expected me to do. Because you use such beautifully, carefully crafted words like challenge the status quo, like analyze your workflow and improve on it. I don't know what I've actually got to do. All I know is I've got a task to do because that's the industrial age uh, function that's been laid down the line for me to do. I don't know what you mean when you say get out of that mold and do something different. <laughs> so it sounds like everybody was paralyzed after he, he presented his vision. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All they knew was that what they were doing was not, was not right, and they didn't have an alternative. Well, they, they didn't even know what they were doing wasn't right. You know, for oh. them it was come to, you know, if you think about it, it, one of the interesting analogies they use is we, in terms of this industrial versus the knowledge age we live in. We yeah. still use, when, in our advertisements, we still use terms, all the industrial terms. So we'll say we want a filing clock, and we'll advertise for a filing clock. And we'll list all of the functions we want the filing clock to do. The reality is we don't actually want a filing clock. We want a finding clock. So what we want is someone who can come into our organization and find the information. Because I don't care how the hell it's filed. I want to find the information. Yes. And, and, and that's part of the, the problem. So find it on tap. Yes. Yeah. Right. So we've got, we've got a foot in each camp still. Okay. So basically you're a language teacher. <laughs> you know, not sure that they agree with that. <laughs> no, but think about it. I mean, the whole purpose of the communication process that you're involved in is teaching, is teaching, in fact, or helping your your clients to learn a new language, a language that connects with their staff. Well, that is correct. Yes. In other words, through examples and anecdotes. Yes. So it becomes simple and tangible. So people can say, oh, now I understand what you want me to do. <laughs> okay. It seems so simple, but I can understand the, the dilemma. So that brought you to a, to a decision to do what when you suddenly realized that 60 to 70% of the people you were dealing with were not getting the message across, and you had spent probably so much time helping them to, uh, to create a presentation in many cases. Yeah. Well, what, what, we, what we then did was, uh, I said, okay, if, we, if the CEO knows where he wants the organization to go, in other words, he's pretty clear about the big goals that they're trying to achieve, and they don't have too much tro problem translating that into a set of objectives, then one of the first things they ought to be doing is making sure that those objectives actually align to that vision. Right. How and if that? Well... What you have to do is you have to well, obviously... Before we go there, sorry, I should, that's not a good question at the moment. Before we go there, um, 
what is what what happens, or why is it important that the objectives are aligned to the functional? Well, let me let me give you a, a, a good example of a problem that uh, that, a, that a telecommunications company had. Right. They built they built call centers. Yeah. So they created a build team who built these call centers. And the build team, once they built the call center, handed over to a support team. The support yes. team then supported in the user environment where you and I phone in with our with our queries, etc. Right. Now, when when the build team we're building this thing. As you can imagine, yeah. in today's world, technology keeps changing. Right. So, so, so what was happening was the support team, when they got this, this uh, call center handed over to them, were unbelievably critical of the build team. You haven't written up any manuals. You've kept changing the technology. We're taking over a system we don't understand and can't work with. So when I was called in and asked to run a workshop with them, the first thing I said was, who is your customer? And they all, they all said, there's 24 engineers, they all said our customer is a support team. Both the build team and the support team said the customer was a support team. It was only when I really pushed them and said, but really there's got to be, your customer's got to be the person who's taking the rap for performance of the call center. And eventually they twigged and they said, oh, you're quite right. Then once they'd cottoned onto that, in other words, they now suddenly saw there was a bigger customer outside both of them that they had to serve, then suddenly the penny dropped and they said, oh, you know how we solve this problem? We as a support team join the build team two-thirds of the way through the build. We write the manuals. We test the system. We take over a streamlined and working system into the user environment. The problem before that was each of them were working in their own silos. So neither of them had sight of the end picture that, they were, that, the, that the organization was trying to achieve. So that's what alignment means. So they were simply focusing on the job at hand that they had as a description. Right. So isn't that a beautiful uh, example of using a word that doesn't mean anything, a word like alignment? Yes. <laughs> you throw out the word, you, you, you guys have got to be aligned. <laughs> I have no <laughs> idea what that means. You're absolutely right, in fact. That, that is a very poor word, but I can't think of anything better. <laughs> Yeah, I've always been pretty strong on the area of using what I call uh, using verbs that create action pictures. And a word like align, I mean, if you say to somebody, align yourself with another department, there's no picture that comes to mind other than people standing in a line. <laughs> yes, I think, in fact, as you say that now, it just occurs to me, you know, if you think about a sport of some sort, let's take a game of football. Yes. You've got a very clear goal, which is get that ball into the net or get that ball behind the touchline or whatever it is. Everybody is focused on that. But if each of the different parts of the football team each said, look, my job is to defend, my job is to do this, uh, they would only worry about what their specific job was. They wouldn't be worried about the end goal. So what you're trying to do is get everybody to understand there is an end goal we're all shooting for. Right. And that's essentially what, what we mean by line. It's, it's line of sight of that, of that end goal. Everyone has that picture in mind. And ensuring that everybody really grasps it. Yes. Okay, that, that, really, that really does make sense. Otherwise, what they're doing is they're just looking after their own little domain and Absolutely. they're ignoring everything around them. Well, well, the interesting thing is I do a lot of profiles on that subject and uh, it's true that some people do have longer-term vision and others don't. We're going into a break now, Peter, and we'll come back after the break, and then we'll talk more about how we actually make sure that that implementation process is handled effectively. 
and I'll be asking you how you go about doing that. So stay with us, folks. We'll be with you in a moment. Hi, everybody. We're going into the second part of our show this morning or this evening or this afternoon, depending on which country you live in. Um, our guest is talking to us today about connecting our people to our corporate plan, the implementation of the strategy. And he was telling us a while ago that people do a very poor job in implementing the strategy. Our guest is a man who's built up at least 10 successful businesses over a 30-year period, and his name is Peter Thomas. So, Peter, we were talking about what we could do to make sure that the communication is a lot more effective in driving the plan throughout our, our organization. Even if it's a small business, Peter, are the rules the same? Obviously, yeah, they are, Terry, but they're obviously not as as uh, pronounced as in a big organization. You can imagine in a, an organization with 20,000, 30,000 employees how much more yeah. complicated it is to spread the message as opposed to a couple of hundred. Yes. But even in a small organization, we find that challenge. And I'm talking about even two or three people. Yes, absolutely. Okay. I mean, there's no, there's no doubt communication is probably one of the biggest challenges we face in the world today. It is so easily easy to misunderstand and to, to misinterpret what is said. Yes, isn't that interesting? I, right from the beginning of my career, somebody once said, our objective is not to communicate so that we're understood. It's communicate so that we're not misunderstood. Yes. And and I think that's what this is. Yeah, no, no, I think that's absolutely right. Uh, and, um, I mean, I can remember exercises where I think even uh, you, you put us through exercises where you would, you would send five or six people out of the room, uh, give a message to one person and say, now go and tell this one of the people outside what the message is, get them to come in and repeat it. And by the time you got to the fourth person, you've got a diametrically opposed message coming out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's where broken telephone or the room is yes. it's sunny out but it's, it's amazing how those things stick in our mind isn't that Absolutely. remarkable yeah, but they're, they're right. very real they are real they really yeah. are and we learn it as kids and somehow as we get sophisticated we forget about these child things that we did we did that are so important that's right yeah. all right so let's talk about some of the strategies that we could use to implement this communication better okay well, I think just before I talk about that, let's just talk about what people's expectations are. When, when, you do, when, when you're part of an organization, and the research tells us that the thoughts that go through people's minds are, tell me what you want me to do, tell me why you want me to do it, then tell me how to do it, then tell me how I'm doing, and then the last step is tell me what's in it for me. In other words, recognize and reward my performance. And that's pretty much how most of us are made up. So it's don't don't kind of leave me in the dark. So based on based on that as, as the kind of um, background, we said to ourselves, well, what people are saying is engage us and involve us in the process of getting to the end the end goal that you're wanting to achieve. And and that's that's why we built this model, which is connecting your people to your to your plan or your uh, or your strategy. You know, I think what you said a moment ago was so important, and you went through those steps. And uh, I, I, I believe that if people are listening right now and really want to be able to implement it, we should be sitting with a piece of paper and a pencil or a pen and actually writing down. So would you just go through those four steps again as briefly as you did a moment ago? Yes, indeed. Number one. 
first one is, tell me what you want me to do. Right. So you've now got this goal you want. What do you want me to do to get there? Right. Tell me why you want me to do it. Right. So in other words, don't, you know, don't, don't just tell me to do it as an instruction. Then tell me how to do it. Make sure I have the skills and the capability to do it. Right. And then number four is tell me how I'm doing. So give me feedback. Keep that communication open. And finally, tell me what's in it for me. So if I deliver what you're asking me to do, how will you recognize me or reward me? Okay. Now, obviously, you know, that's so simple. But in order to come up with a format like that, you really had to do a lot of thinking, I imagine, Peter. Oh, there was massive Masses of work. Because... Yeah. The tendency of organizations is, in fact, to simply tell. Now, although I've used tell a lot in that, there's a, yeah. there's a hidden meaning underneath that that says yeah. it's tell but engage, in fact, involve and engage yeah. in the entire process. Right. It's, it's actually inform. Keep me informed. Right. So, so the, the model we built said if the CEO knows where he's going, so we've got a vision and Exco are appraised and they're happy and the stakeholders are engaged, they know where the business is going, then the first step is to actually build a plan to get there. And for 99% of organizations, uh, it's going to be a customer-focused plan. There's a customer at the end of the line, and we better build that plan because we'll achieve our vision through the, through the customer. So we build the plan, which are our strategic goals and tasks, etc. Then we have to run the business along certain, uh, based on certain values that we that, that we translate into a set of practices and behaviours. So that's our people aspect. So we've got our people and we've got our plan, and then obviously people also, or any organisation, has to have some systems and processes and infrastructure that gives the people the tools and the wherewithal to deliver the plan. Yes. So, so that is very broad. And I don't think there's no rocket science in what I've said there. No. But the trick is now in connecting the people to the plan. Right. And, and the way we do that is using a visual mapping process where we tell the, tell the people where we want to take the business and then we ask them how they think we can get there. And you shut up and listen. And then we shut up and listen, and we capture those <laughs> insights. In fact, what we do is we use special stationery, uh, which are large sheets that have got a sticky surface, and we dish out ovals to everybody, and we pose the question on the sheet, and then we say, "Now, I want you to think about this. How do you, you know, what do you see as the stumbling blocks to us achieving this vision?" And everyone will sit down and, and say what they think. Those come to uh, to me as a facilitator, for instance. And I'll get the group to help me cluster them onto the sheets into groups of ideas so that we have the ideas clustered onto these sheets. And then we can discuss and debate them and we can prioritize and we can work with it. But the most important thing this does is it gives the CEO or certainly senior management a very clear picture of what the thinking is of their organization. Now they're able to respond to what is coming out of, uh, out of these, these workshops from their people as opposed to simply bludgeoning them with a message saying, I want you to do this, I want you to do this, just get on and do it, just get on and do it. Um, and, and that's... I have a really word for this, uh, Peter. Tell me whether, whether I'm on track. I call it capturing the intuition of the people. 
That is correct. It is capturing their intuition, their insights, their wisdom, their, right. their, and their knowledge. Yes. yes, and then documenting it. And, and then capturing it and documenting it. That's correct. Yes. And, uh, and that, of course, is obviously part of our process, is that capturing and documenting what comes yes. out of the, yes, of the people. In that sense, you've been, you've been very, very influential um, on my life in, in, in making that so, as clear as you, as you do right now, Peter. So uh, while we're talking, I want to thank you for that, too. Lovely. It oh, really wow. works. Uh, now, what, what, what we have, uh, just to complete that picture, one of the things we've said is, okay, now we've told them where we want to go and asked them how to get there. And in the process, we're now able to see using the the word aligned again, to see how well they are focused on that end goal and, and what, what we've got to correct, the course corrections we've got to introduce to make sure we get there. We call that process participant plan. That's just obviously our, our participative planning is the process we use. Yeah. But in the, in the plan, we also have a measurement tool we've put in place called eValue, which is an evaluation, which is simply saying if those are the tasks and the key performance indicators or key performance areas that we've introduced into our business, how do we know we're actually delivering on those? And so we keep going back to the organization using the software tool to say to the organization, tell us how we're doing. And it's, it's just a survey that they come back and say, well, we see, one of the things we said is we're good at mentoring and coaching, but in fact I don't think we are. And you can, in fact, now see where in the organization we're falling short on what we're trying to achieve. And so are you saying, in a sense, that the managers or the people that are driving the plan through the organization have to have some coaching and maybe even mentoring skills in order to be able to make this as clear for the people as it is to them? That's not necessarily part of our process, but, but certainly that is a very important aspect of business today. I don't think, I think there's hardly a business alive that can survive without the coaching and mentoring and guiding of people. But I used it as an example to say that's what we might be measuring. It might be one of the key deliverables that we're, that we're saying will drive our business forward is we need to be coaching and mentoring. But if we don't go back to the organization and saying what is your perception of us, in that area, we don't know whether we're doing it well or not. And the only way you can tell is by measuring whether we are doing it or not. Right. Well, what I was getting at was that's a coaching style of communication as opposed to a telling style. That's really that's, that's Absolutely. Absolutely. That's yeah. always engaging the people. Yes. yes. It's a conversation, a constant dialogue and a constant conversation rather than a speech. Absolutely right. That is right. That's correct. Okay. And then... The, the final step is saying... Let's leave the final. All right, just give okay. me the final step in, in, 30 sec, in 20 seconds. Okay, the final step is saying, if we now know that certain behaviors are delivering that, are we recognizing and rewarding those behaviors? Wonderful. We're going into the break right now, and we'll just summarize that, and we'll go back into it again and talk about it in a, in a moment. So if you would like to call in later on, please do that. We'll go into the break right now. Hi everybody, this is Terry Ostroviak. We're going into the third part of our show today and we're discussing how to connect our people and really connect, that's what it means, to a corporate plan or to our planning and it's the part that is called implementing the strategy. My guest is a very experienced businessman talking to us from Cape Town, South Africa. His name is Peter Thomas. He's run and set up at least 
10 very successful businesses over 30 years, so we need to listen to him carefully. Today we're talking about that implementation process. So, Peter, let's just summarize what you talked about a moment ago. I don't think it can be you know, too much. It really can't be. Yeah, maybe I could do this in point form, Terry, which is yeah. um, just summarizing that. So if, if we went into an organization to say the way in which you can connect your people to your plan is, first of all, take your vision and demonstrate what you're expecting and wanting your people to do with lots of examples and anecdotes. That's step number right. one. In other words, simplify the vision so that it's absolutely tangible and clear to everyone. Then the next step is take that message down to your leadership team and explain the vision, but then ask them how they think it should be cascaded into their business units. That's step number two. So it's tell them what we're trying to achieve and then ask them how they can get there. And then the next step would be, again, for each of those leadership people to take the exact same process down to their business unit, tell their business unit where they see the business going, and then ask the people in the business unit how they think they can achieve those goals. That's always the key, right? Ask them how they think it can be implemented. Because you will find out exactly what it is they they uh, feel is inhibiting. You will discover whether they've got the skills, whether they whether they feel the culture is wrong, or whatever it is that's stopping them getting there. Right. And then, and then, what you need to do is obviously in in that process test that the KP, key KPIs or key performance areas and key performance indicators align to the vision. So, in other words, make sure that they in fact do um, do help achieve that. And I suppose. We use it, uh, but it needn't necessarily be the case. A lot of organizations use the balanced scorecard for that. Yes. So they use the perspective of the balanced scorecard to make sure that they, they do connect the dots, if you like, the, the various yes. elements to get to that end goal. Yes. Then you need, to have, you need to have the measures in place that will actually measure that. Then number six is recognize and reward the performance. And then the final step, number seven, is create that feedback loop to Exco and leadership to tell them what is coming out of the organization so they can take corrective action. Peter, is it possible for companies, small or large, to be able to implement a process like this on their own without a person like you or some of your colleagues working them through the process? Oh, absolutely, they can. I, I think that, unfortunately, w- what happens and why they don't do it is that in so many cases they put their strategy together and say, right, I've done that now, now I'm going to drive it. But unfortunately, the day-to-day crises overtake them. Yes, that's and, what I was getting at. Yeah, and, and as a result, unfortunately, it all falls by the wayside. So I'm quite sure that nearly every organization has every intention of rolling out the strategy. But unfortunately, the real life is that things, things just overtake them. And that's where an outsider who has responsibility for driving that can help them. Right, exactly. And, and it's not just an outsider. It's an outsider with a really objective viewpoint like yourself, years and years of experience in business, on the, on the other hand. And you're not just acting as a consultant. That's, this is, as I'm listening to you now, you're not just a consultant that goes in there and tells them what should be done and delivers a plan um, and then leaves them with the with the plan. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, th- yeah, I think that's right, and that's what, we, that's what we've really tried to do now is put that whole package together, help them put the measurement processes in place, help them build the recognition and reward so that it becomes...
become sustainable as a, as a process where it does start exactly. to run on its own. Right. And it is How that, long does it, it take generally to get something like this? It's about, a, it's about a three-month exercise to okay. do it. To do it's not a, a really long-term process. No, not at all, not at all. Uh, it, it does obviously depend on how deeply you want to go into the organization, but what we very often do is try and empower people to carry it down if, if there are large numbers. Yes. So rather than trying to run all of it ourselves, we do the, the, the key um, communication processes. Right. Okay. And then you, you, you obviously train them and get them uh, involved in, in what that's. Let's call it the technology of implementing it is. Yes. And they follow it through. Absolutely. And, and we try and hold their hands and, and, uh, and make sure that uh, they're comfortable doing it and, and, right. and, and uh, don't, don't hit any, any really tough spots that they can't handle. Sounds excellent. How many people do you have having to do that or do you just work on your own on this? No, I have about 15 what, what I call virtual facilitators that I call on as and when I need them and uh, yeah. take them into organizations because quite often we will do facilitation. Um, we, we might use seven or eight facilitators at the same time. Right. So, for instance, our tourism authority a little while ago wanted to look at tourism in the Cape Town area. And they wanted to look at different aspects. They wanted to look at transport, security, um, leisure, et cetera, et cetera. And I had a facilitator for each one of those segments or each of those right. uh, areas of interest. Uh, so it's very quick. Um, okay. So you, you, you take in your team and that speeds up the whole process. It's not just yes. uh, one individual yes. doing that. Excellent. And the systems that you've developed and, and evolved over the years are a build-up of what, how you originally started in this field. That's Wonderful. So let's go. Let's just talk about what are some, again. What are some of the things that break down when you're doing this type of thing? What are the biggest challenges you have? I guess the the, the biggest challenge is, is getting commitment from senior management that they are going to carry it through. Um, you know, one of the one of the I guess it was a very sad one for me not so long ago. We had a, a again it was a financial services organisation. They had a great plan, and the CEO was right behind this model we had put together, and everything was flying. And there was a miscommunication between Exco and their leadership team. And what, what happened is, is that, sorry, sorry, the ex executive committee, sorry, the executive committee, and and their leadership team was the senior management. And what happened was um, this, the CEO had said, I really want our people to be part of this organization, and everyone was fired up and enthusiastic. And I suddenly got a few phone calls from a few senior managers saying, what is going on in our organization? I've got all these people running around trying to solve problems. I can't afford to have that. They've got a job of work to do. They must get back and do the job. I've got customers streaming for reports. And, of course, what they did is in one fell swoop destroyed the entire um, ethos that we had created of this involvement, engagement, energy that we had unleashed. And the staff went back to their desks and said, well, I don't know why we went through that whole exercise. I mean, we've just been put back in our place. And the boss is just telling us what to do again. <laughs> and, and I think that's the biggest frustration of something block. It's managing... It's A, managing the expectations of the client, but secondly, it's managing the process of change. And, and I don't think there are too many managers who are geared for that. Yeah, and that's really the issue. Uh, it's 
especially in, in businesses, uh, self-made businesses, I imagine, or family businesses. They, they, the moment that they hit a little bit of a barrier, they, they revert back to tight. Is that, the, is that what happens? Absolutely, and, but it's not only in the small and the owner-managed businesses. It's the big businesses as well where people are terrified of losing their jobs through non-performance. And it's much easier just to go back to what you used to. Just do what I always did and you'll get what you always got. Uh, wonderful, <laughs> wonderful example, Peter. <laughs> We're going into a break again now and uh, then we'll be back in a while and then we'll tie up everything. And that, that issue you just brought up now is really is a major issue. So stay with us, folks. If you want to call in or even in fact if you want to email me at right now, if you would like to do that at QLCAT. Terry at QLCAT.com, Quantum Leap Catalyst it stands for, so the abbreviation is QLCAT.com, or you can phone in to us immediately if you'd like to as well. I'll give you the number just after the break. So we'll break now just for a few moments and be back with us while Bye. Hi, everybody. We're in the last part of our show today. We're talking to Peter Thomas, a chief executive of a company called Participlan Group Facilitation a business using a planning technique to connect people to the corporate plan. And so what we're talking about is how to implement the plan effectively. And he's illustrated to us how poorly many senior managers do this job. Peter, let's just go back for a moment, actually, and, 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 and talk about when you're dealing with a client, you, you mentioned a moment ago to me during the break that one of the biggest challenges is getting the, the, the chief executive or the, or, the, or the executive board aligned going to use that word align, I mean, at least on the same wavelength, what you're wanting to do. Yes. It's amazing how that word all of a sudden, yes. suddenly sparks off a thought. Yeah. Right. What, have, what do we have to do there just to make sure that everybody's on track and that they understand they have to follow through? Uh, number one, because whenever you're rolling out something different or new, there are going to be pushbacks in the organization. So you have to have the CEO's absolute backing that he will stand behind you when you get those pushbacks. And if he's a she? Or she, sorry, sorry. <laughs> My apologies. Yes. No, no, you don't have to apologize. I'm just Indeed. <laughs> yes. Um, the CEO must stand behind it and say, I know there will be some tough times in rolling this out, but we have to, in fact, uh, stick by our guns and make sure that the entire process is rolled out. Right. Excellent. And so, so you've got to make that clear right up front that that's yes. where you're going with the whole thing. Correct. And you say sometimes these people are just not as open as they should be. Well, I think that, you know, one of the, one of the fears that uh, certainly a lot of CEOs have is what happens if, uh, if some of the decisions are taken I don't like or I don't want to implement. Yeah. Um, and what CEOs need to recognize is because they're ultimately responsible, they always have the right of refusal to an idea. Right. But I have to say my experience is I, have, I, don't, I cannot recall a situation where we've got stupid ideas out of the organization. The wisdom of people who are at the coalface is incredible. They really do understand what, uh, what, what needs to be done and how to do it. Yeah. It's amazing how that gets down, denigrated or downgraded. And people don't realize that the people at the rock face really do understand the business far better than the Absolutely. executive board does. Yeah. And, and I think there is a fear. I mean, I ran a workshop a little while ago in an IT, for an IT company. And I, and I, said, to, I said to them, so what do you believe 
the things are that we need to do to become a highly successful business. And there was a group of about 16 people. It was all their senior management. And three cards came out of the group saying, fire the MD. And what was very interesting is the MD was one of the people in the group. And of course, <laughs> we actually think he wrote the cards himself. Oh. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> so what, uh, what the MD did was he leapt to his feet and said, wow, what am I doing that's causing a problem? And in that situation, I was able to say to him, well, listen, I'm neutral as a facilitator, but do you want to explore it? And he said, yes. And I said to the group, do you want to explore it? And they said, yes. And we simply posed another question on the sheet saying, what is the MD doing that's causing a problem? And everybody wrote cards. And if you think about it, what an incredibly safe way for everybody to say what they thought and yet not be victimized and be at risk. And the MD looked at me and said, gee, I didn't realize I was doing those things. So it was a, a very safe way to unpack um, a, a very sensitive problem. Right. Well, well, to, the, to the chief executive for being open enough to allow himself to be uh, evaluated or judged by his peers or by yes. himself, not by his peers, Absolutely. by his staff, and, yep. uh, and let them tell him that. That must be a tremendous, um, tremendously big challenge for people. Right, but, but you know how to do that. Let's just wrap up then, uh, Peter, and let's just go through the steps once again, the same steps okay. that you talked about previously, okay. so that people can walk out of the show and say, not only was I entertained today, but I also learned something. Step number, number one. Number one, make your vision tangible with lots of examples and anecdotes. Talk about where it's worked before and how it can work in the future. Then work with your leadership by asking them how you can achieve the goal. Right. Then work with then the leadership need to work with their business units, asking them how they can achieve the goal. Test that you have got the right key performance areas and that they are in line with the vision that you have. Right. Make sure you have measures to measure it, which is number five. Then be sure that you have some form of recognition and reward program in place to, to thank people for their performance. And then very importantly, feedback to Exco and the leadership exactly what the organization is saying and how they feel about the process. Right, so that there's a sustainable drive and energy to make sure that the process continues. That's the last step, right? That is the key. It's that feedback loop that, that, uh, that keeps it sustainable. Wonderful. <clears throat> and, yeah, even if people are not sure exactly how they would do it themselves in small or large businesses, at least they know what some of the steps are in the process that would make a difference. Peter, a couple of things that we need to do, and that is, um, let's briefly, uh, well, let me just say to anybody, if you want to know about more about this, all you have to do is to go to my website, uh, which is qlcat.com, quantumleapcatalyst.com, uh, either one of those two, in fact, but that's the abbreviation that makes it easier if your spelling is not that great, qlcat.com. And there is a contact form, and you could just simply um, ask the question, and if necessary, I'll connect you with uh, Peter Thomas in Cape Town from that source. Uh, if you're in South Africa and you want to get directly to Peter at Participlan, uh, how, how would they do that, uh, Peter? It's uh, area code 021, which is Cape Town. Seven eight seven nine two two five. Okay. And if they wanted to email you, how would they get to you? Peter T P E T E R T at Participlan P A R T I C I P 
plan.co.za.